You know, one of the things I, I really enjoy doing in the warmer months of the year, who enjoys daylight saving? It's good, isn't it? Yeah. I enjoy those clear nights and going outside and looking up into the heavens and just seeing the Milky Way and going, wow, isn't that awesome? And I don't know about you, but there's just, I'm trying to take it all in, but I just don't have the capacity. My, my, my peripheral vision doesn't go far enough this way nor that way to take it all, but I just go, it's, it's absolutely stunningly beautiful. It absolutely is. And of course, then occasionally you'll see a satellite, you know, fly over and you go, wow, awesome. I think that's how David, King David, felt when he wrote the psalm, Psalm 104, everything I am will praise and bless the Lord. His heart was just bursting with gratitude and splendor and wonder. He goes on to say, O Lord, my God, your greatness takes my breath away. Overwhelming me by your majesty, beauty and splendor. You wrap yourself in with a shimmering, glistening light. You wear sunshine like a garment of glory. You stretch out the starry skies like a tapestry. Isn't that beautiful? That's the Passion Translation. He goes on in Psalm 19 and writes, The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display His craftsmanship. Day after day they continue to speak. Night after night they make Him known. They speak without a sound or word. Their voice is never heard. Yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. Isn't that awesome? Maybe this evening, maybe tomorrow, maybe you can take your partner or your girlfriend or whatever, or a friend and just look up the skies and just marvel, marvel at God's creation. Isn't it fantastic? Because you know right now there's more than 100,000 planes in the air right at this very moment, right now, 100,000 planes. It's amazing, isn't it? And the good news is that they're not banging into one another. Somebody knows where they are. Aren't you pleased about that? I am so pleased somebody knows where they are, plotting their course. And there's nearly 1.2 million people up there, 35,000 feet up in the air. It's so vast, isn't it? It is so vast. And do you know what? Scientists estimate that there, when we look up and see the Milky Way, but there are 10 billion, not million, 10 billion galaxies in the world, in the universe, I should say. Isn't that awesome? Guess how many stars are in each galaxy? Lots, yeah, it's a good answer. Try 100 billion so you take 10 billion galaxies with 100 billion stars in each one, it's like a gazillion, zillion, dillion, dillion. That's a new one, isn't it? It's, it's expansive. It is absolutely mind-boggling. In fact, our human capacity, our three and a half kg of grey matter has no ability to comprehend the greatness, the expansiveness, the majesty, the splendor, the gloriousness. That's a new word, the gloriousness of God. It's amazing. And with all of that stuff, 
Do you know there's three trillion trees on the earth? That's a few, eh? I drive down our street and I look at our oaks and I go, well, they're part of those three trillion trees. And now I can understand why Pastor Sheridan can catch so many fish because there's 3.5 trillion fish in the sea. That's just a few. God is expansive. God is big. And it draws me to this scripture. If you have your Bibles today, your device. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 11 to 13. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 11 to 13. And I'm reading from the message translation. And Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. It's a church that's based in the south of Greece. And uh, Paul's got a few issues going on in the church. He started the church, pastored it. Uh, has written several letters, or this is the second letter that we have. And there's been a bit of drama brewing, a bit like the drama. Great and mighty and expansive. And as you, as your child, I'm going to express that right back to you. I want to do that. Do you know when I first became a Christian and the worship leader would say, hold your hands up and extend them to the Lord? Do you know what I would do? I'd be looking around. Who's looking at me? Don't look at me. Don't look at me. And then gradually, don't look at me. Today, don't even think twice about it. Wherever you are on your journey, can I encourage you? Let's continue to expand the greatness of God in us for His glory and release ourselves to Him. Release ourselves as a church to Him. That's what I love about random acts of kindness this month. All over the city, it's been blessed. We are being expansive. We are expanding the reach of Jesus into the city. It's a good thing, isn't it? We're extending the reach of Jesus with a food drive, which is going to bless people. And who knows the miracles that will come as we've expanded ourselves and expressed ourselves in that. It is awesome. So here's the first thing. Acknowledge and recognize God is big. God is big. As I said, 10 billion galaxies with 100 billion stars, all those trees and all those fishes, truckloads of stuff. But here's the thing. There is only one of you. There is only one you. There is only one Wendy. There is only one Owen. There's only one Stacy. There's only one Jay. There's only one Micah. There's only one Colin. There's only one Kevin. Only one. Only one. Fearfully, wonderfully, beautifully made. And Father knows the number of hairs on your head. For some of us, He doesn't find that too difficult to count. <laughs> I was at the barber the other day because I asked her, how am I going? And she said, oh, you're thinning out a bit. There we go. It's coming. It's coming. God knows everything. He knows everything. And so as a church, when you look, we just cannot comprehend the heavens, but lift our capacity to comprehend the greatness of God comprehend the greatness of His love, comprehend the greatness of His mercy, of His forgiveness, of His acceptance, of His desiring to expand this place of belonging for us. And enlarging that and actively enlarging the greatness of God, this is how Paul expressed it in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 15. 
Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything, even me and you. In the heavenly realms and on the earth, he made the things we can see and the things we can't, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Christ is the head of the church, which is his body, which we heard in communion. Great message. Thanks, Chris. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is the first in everything, for God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by the means of Christ's blood on the cross. That is amazing. God, you are big, you are huge, and the bigger I can see God and the greater I can see him, guess what, the smaller my problems, the smaller my challenges, the smaller the issues at work, the smaller the challenges with finances or whatever it might be because God is so big and God is so great. And God says to you today, I am a great and awesome God. There is nothing he cannot do. Isn't that awesome? And yet here's the ironical thing. God is so big, you want to build an expansive life? Point number two, don't despise the day of small beginnings. Point number two, don't despise the day of small beginnings. You can see Zechariah chapter 4 verse 10 about that. The key thing is wherever we are in our life's journey is that we're on the right or going in the right direction. doesn't matter where we are on the journey, as long as we're on the journey. That's where we need to be. I love Jesus' parable in Matthew chapter 13, verse 33. One of the shortest parables in Scripture. Matthew 13, 33. He spoke another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven or like yeast, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal until the whole loaf was leavened. So how, here's a question. How many yeast, seal, yeast cells are there in a loaf of bread? Any ideas? You know. If you know, answer. who wants to give me a guess? How, how many yeast cells in a standard loaf of bread that we've had this morning? We had some slices of toast, possibly. How, how many? 10 million? We, 100 million. Who thinks 100 million? Okay, try this. 225 billion. How's that? You take a loaf of bread this morning, there's 225 billion cells of yeast in that thing. That's a lot of yeast. And guess how many loaves of bread were sold in the UK today? 11 million just in one day. So you multiply that, that's a billion as well. <laughs> that is heaps. All this yeast everywhere. And Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven is like this small thing. You can't see it. But it multiplies and it multiplies and it grows and it grows. And it changes everything it comes in contact with. 
It's expansive. It's life-changing. It changes society. It changes men. It changes women. It changes the way that we do medicine. It changes the way we view the arts. It changes everything in life. The kingdom of God, the government of God at work amongst us as people. And it starts in very small things. Mars bars. I enjoy Mars bars. They're good. I know Owen enjoys the KFC. We've got that coming later in, in, am I allowed to say that, Pastor Sheridan? We've got that coming in November, the end of November on our Thanksgiving gathering, and there will be KFC. I wonder if we'll have any Mars bars there, Simon. (laughs) Don't despise the day of small beginnings. Forrest Mars, who started the Mars bars business in 1904, uh, started for a couple of years, ran into some trouble, went bankrupt. He couldn't start his business for another four years. Today, it's one of the biggest confectionery companies in the world. He said, don't despise the day of small beginnings. Don't despise it. Hewlett Packet Computers started in a garage. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. What small thing is God asking you to do today? What small thing that will make a difference, that will expand you and your walk with Jesus? What's that small thing? There was um, a story in 1707. The British were fighting the French and they had heavy casualties and um, they were ordered to come back to England. They had 21 ships on their way back to England and they were going through heavy seas and they were in high storms, 21 ships. And within the space of a very short period of time, they thought they were in the English Channel. That's where they believed they were, but they were off course. And within a very short period of time, 15 or so minutes, 20 minutes, four ships hit rocks at almost the same time, and there were 1,500 crewmen that lost their lives. And on one ship, all of them perished except one who was a butcher. So if you want to go to sea and be safe, consider being a butcher. Where's that going? It's just a random thought. I'm being expansive right at the moment. I've got to give a good example of it, don't I? So, so here's the thing. And the problem that happened with these, these ships They didn't know where they were. They could work out where they were, north and south, but they had no idea how far around the planet they were. And do you know, if we were in England today, we would say it's 12 hours, 24 hours behind us, wouldn't we? 12. Thank you for that, Pastor Sheridan. Just takes 24 hours to get there, doesn't it? And the rest, it's a long time. But it's 12 hours behind us. And so they were confronted with this problem of how do they work out Where on earth are they on the earth? And it was a big problem, and they offered a lot of prize money for it. And there were some leading scientists who came up with some big solutions. But there was a carpenter, a man who enjoyed making clocks. He said, I've got the answer. And you can pull out your iPhone today and where your compass is, and it will give you a position where we are right now on the earth. And this man 
designed a clock that worked out how far it was to go from London or around to this side of the world and going around halfway around the earth. It's going to take 12 hours. And they discovered what we would call longitude. It was such a small thing. People despised it. said it won't work. And it changed everything. And that's why we can have 100,000 planes in the air right now and 38,000 ships on the sea right now because a carpenter said, I'm not going to despise a small beginning. And the expansive impact on that has changed travel all around the world. Isn't that awesome? So what small thing do you have in your hand that God can use right now? Think about Moses as he's at the Red Sea. And there the army's chasing after him. And he's crying out to God, God, save us. God, save us. And God says, what's in your hand? Oh, it's a rod. Put it in the water. And you know what God loves doing? He loves taking that small thing in your hand and saying, let me work with it. That's when the supernatural transforms the natural from the ordinary into the spectacular. It takes the ordinary into the expansive. It takes the ordinary and multiplies it. And when Moses stuck that uh, rod into the water, the waters parted, there was a miracle released. It reminds me of the miracle that Jesus did with two loaves, two fishes, and five Loaves of bread. I wonder how many cells of, um, of yeast were in those breads. <laughs> but what Jesus is saying, and because the disciples in that miracle are going, Lord, we've got all these people. There's no way we can feed them. There's no way we can do it. And Jesus says, what's in your hand? What is in your hand, church? What is in your hand? Two fish, five loaves. And I can imagine Jesus is waiting for this moment. And the Holy Spirit is right beside Jesus. And Jesus says, are you ready, partner? And the Holy Spirit says, you just say the word, brother. And we'll have the fireworks going off. So Jesus says the word. Father, thank you. Bless. And the Holy Spirit multiplies, expands, causes a miraculous growth to take place. What expansive thing does the Word of God in your mouth, partnered with the Holy Spirit, want to expand you in? To expand what we're doing in our places of work. To expand the legacy in our families. What word are you speaking over your children? Co-partnering with the Holy Spirit to build legacy. Isn't that a beautiful picture of the Word in our mouths and the Holy Spirit partnering together. There is, um, of course, talking about expansiveness, you might think, well, gee, my life is not as good as somebody else. How can it be expansive? Is it all about having a good life? The answer is no, not at all. There's a wonderful book written by Dr. Edith Eger. It's called The Choice, and she's a Holocaust survivor. And she, with her sister and her parents, went into the concentration camps in Germany in 1944. And the very day they went in there, both her parents were killed. 
And she writes about a story about how she had to make a choice. Was she going to live or was she going to die? And she writes this on her book, The Choice. And she talks about victims or being victimized. She says, victimhood comes from the inside. No one can make you a victim but you. We become victims not because of what has happened to us, but when we choose to hold on to our victimization. We, de- we develop a victim's mind, the way of thinking of being that is rigid, blaming, pessimistic, stuck in the past, unforgiving, punitive, and without healthy limits or boundaries. We become our own jailers when we choose the confines of the victim's mind. She goes on to say, just remember, no one can take away from you what you've put in your own mind. It's sobering reading because she's confronted with the most horrific things in her life. But she chooses to live expansively. She chooses to live with hope. She chooses in spite of all the obstacles to go, I'm going to live and I'm going to make a difference. And as a church, the Father, Jesus and the Holy Spirit are so expansive. As Paul made the appeal to the Corinthians, open your hearts, live expansively, follow my example. Then you'll know the fullness of Jesus with you and you'll step into the supernatural. You'll step into seeing partnership with the Holy Spirit and things grow and multiply the kingdom of God at work in you. And so here's my take home for you. If you can write this down or record it in your device, here's the scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1, sorry, verses 11 to 13. Take a piece of paper, draw three columns. In the first column, write that scripture. In the second column, ask this or write this question. Jesus, how can I live more expansively? Jesus, how can I live more expansively? For some of you, it may be doing a random act of kindness. For some of you, it may be going to a friend and saying, I'm sorry. For some of you, it may be coming into this place and going, I'm no longer sitting on the seat and being a spectator. I'm going to be a participator. For some of you, it may be something you have to do at your workplace. But God in those little things wants to expand And as a faith community, as the body of Jesus at work in this place, in this city, see the kingdom of God come and expand in ways that are multiplied and exponential for the glory of God. Isn't that awesome? And in the third column, write what he says to you. Write down what he says to you. Can I ask you to close your eyes and bow your heads? Father, we thank you that you want us to live expansively, largely. Father, we thank you that you're so expansive that you gave Jesus. Jesus, you're so expansive that you gave your life. Holy Spirit, that you're so expansive that you 
Lord, empower the life of Jesus within each and every one of us. And so, Father, we pray that you'd help each and every one of us, individually, as families, as a church body, to live expansively for you, Lord, that your light would shine in the city and that the name of Jesus would be made famous and that many would come to faith in you. In Jesus' name.